Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 334 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we updated you on our current thinking about chat GPT and generative AI. In fairness, some of that thinking has probably already changed as the uses of chat GPT continue to grow and evolve almost daily. In this episode, we're so excited to be starting a brand new interview series that we are currently calling Fresh Voices in Legal Tech with a very special guest as we want to showcase different and compelling perspectives on legal tech and more. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we are thrilled to launch our new Fresh Voices on Legal Tech interview series with Kristen Sonday, co-founder and CEO of Paladin, an ecosystem that helps lawyers, firms, and legal service providers get more efficient at providing pro bono services. We want our Fresh Voices series to not only introduce you to terrific leaders in the legal tech space, but also provide you with their perspective on the things you should be paying attention to in legal technology. And as usual, we're going to finish up with our parting shot that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, we are so pleased to welcome Kristen Sonday to launch our Fresh Voices series. Kristen, welcome to the Kennedy Mall Report. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get started, can you tell your audiences a little bit about more about yourself and about Paladin in general? Sure. So my background is with the U.S. Justice Department doing international criminal work in Mexico and Central America. And I was working uh, with the FBI and the marshals and our Mexican counterparts to help extradite fugitives back to the U.S. And it was really when I was in Mexico City that I got to see firsthand how complicated our judicial system is to navigate. And especially for those who don't speak English or who might not be well-educated, the system just felt nearly impossible. And so I knew I wanted to do something to help underserved communities in particular access justice and access lawyers in a better way. So after DOJ, I joined the founding team of a tech company that was based in New York. We took through Y Combinator, which is a big accelerator program out in the Valley. We scaled internationally. And that's really where I learned how to build a company from the ground up. And now Paladin is this great intersection for me of figuring out, okay, how do we leverage technology to help increase access to justice for those in need? And that's how the kernel of Paladin was started. And essentially, our mission is to increase access to justice by helping legal teams run more efficient pro bono programs. And so we've built the first end-to-end platform that helps legal services organizations input their pro bono clients on one side of the marketplace with the click of a button, send those cases through to top law firms, in-house corporate teams, and bar associations, and more seamlessly connect lawyers with individuals who need their legal help. Yeah, Kristen, I'm, uh, as you know, I'm a longtime fan of what you're doing at, at Paladin. But the reason I wanted to start this series with you is that you are simply one of the best presenters and communicators I've ever seen on complex technology uh, topics a- as they intersect with law. And the work you put into communication is evident to me. So could you talk about your approach to communicating with lawyers and others in the legal profession about uh, technologies that it might be difficult for them to understand. 
Well, first off, that is way too generous. Thank you, Dennis. I'm just taking notes from you. So keep, keep sending them along here. And, you know, I think the reality is that technology is already all around us, right? From the moment we wake up until the moment we go to sleep, we're on our phones, we're on our screens. And so I like to ask myself, you know, how do we weave in new technology into our existing day-to-day rather than just introduce something that's entirely new and potentially intimidating? And so at Paladin, for example, you know, I think about how we already use tech to find food through Seamless or Grubhub, or we'll compare flights through Kayak or Expedia. And why should finding pro bono work be any different than that? And so I'm thinking about how do we meet lawyers and legal professionals where they're at instead of just replacing their workflow or their experiences altogether. So I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper, not necessarily into Paladin, but in kind of justice technology in general. On this podcast, Dennis and I discuss technology frequently that enables better access to justice, but it's usually during our end of the year recap where we talk about what happened the past year in legal technology. And every year, Dennis, correct me if I'm wrong, we seem to come to the conclusion that some progress is being made, but not nearly enough given the demand um, is kind of where we feel. I'm kind of, what is your view of the current state of justice technology? So I am very optimistic, maybe cautiously optimistic, but you know, it's funny when we first started Paladin, we were one of a handful of justice tech companies. And now we're seeing a number of other B2B justice tech companies like Justice Text, that are getting significant traction and funding, and they're having this palpable impact. And then on the consumer side, there have been a number of new companies like People Clerk, Courtroom 5, Hello Divorce, Turn Signal. They've all been growing and evolving significantly over the past few years. And so it's still early and, and maybe too soon to tell, but I think that this new crop of justice tech companies is really going to validate the market in a way that we haven't done in the past. And we're going to be able to prove that you can scale this impact and build a large business in a sustainable way that's going to perpetuate the growth and evolution of these justice tech companies. You know, Kristen, one of my favorite things I saw you do is to gather information from a tech show audience live. And, and I hope you remember this because it's so impressive. And use that info in real time to match a hypothetical pro bono project to someone in the audience who actually and surprisingly turned out to be an excellent, excellent candidate and would have been interested in doing something like that. So would you talk a little bit, a little bit about that, sort of that matching notion based on information that you can get from people in their interest, and then talk about the power of, of platforms, especially matching platforms, which I think are probably still way underused in, in, the, in the legal industry. That's a great point. And actually, I love that you brought up that panel because that was one of my first, if not my very first, ABA Tech Show panels. And I had so much fun with that session and it's one of my favorites. So maybe I need to bring back that live algorithm uh, back to the stage. That would be really fun because it's probably evolved since then quite a bit. You know, it all speaks, though, to the opportunity at hand, which is that prior to Paladin, all of this pro bono matching was done by hand. And that just takes an enormous amount of time and resources to connect the right volunteer to the right client. And that time, in our minds, should really be freed up to focus on much higher leverage work. And on the data side, I mean, long term, just thinking about endless possibilities here, I mean, imagine a world in which we have data related to every lawyer's background, their interests, their skill sets, their availability, the resources they have at hand, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have that same data for each pro bono client and his or her needs. 
And then on top of that, we can layer in some jurisdictional considerations and outcome data, or maybe pull in some employer resourcing, look at the capacity of the referring agency and the training and support they provide and, and more. I mean, we would be able to match pro bono clients with the best attorney for his or her case so much more efficiently and maybe even be able to predict the outcomes. And then on top of that, if we add on document automation tools and checklists and we're ensuring that the attorney is is really maximally efficient and accurate in their pro bono process, I mean, that could just be game changing. And it's that long-term possibility that's especially exciting to me. I want to zoom in a little bit more on what you mentioned about matching to a particular volunteer and really talk about the volunteers for a second, the people, the attorneys who are doing the pro bono work. In my past life as a lawyer, I did a lot of pro bono, but haven't done so much lately. So I'm interested to see what's evolved. Here in Dallas, our monthly bar association newsletter, every month they highlight a pro bono champion for all their work. And 99% of the time, that person works for a large law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they work for a firm that I think that makes sense because they're in more cases better positioned to deal with an, essentially another type of law practice than a solo or a small firm lawyer would have the time or the infrastructure to be able to do. But And I worked for a small to a medium-sized firm, depending on when it was that I was working for them. They varied. Um, and I was one of about three lawyers who remotely cared about doing pro bono, and we felt like we didn't have that same level of support. And I've got to believe that there are a lot of lawyers in that position now, and, and a lot of our listeners are solo and small firm lawyers. So I'm saying, I guess that leads to my, my long-winded way of asking, how would a tool like Paladin have helped me back then or help now small firm or solo lawyers who might not have access to the same resources at a large, as a larger firm would? That's a great point. And while Paladin typically works with AMLAW 200s and Fortune 500s, we actually do have partnerships with 10 bar associations across the country uh, thus far that we partner with to power statewide pro bono portals where any lawyer across the state can find pro bono that's going to be well aligned to what they're looking for and get involved regardless of firm size. And so attorneys in those states, and we're continuing to add state bars as we grow, um, y'all will have access to opportunities that are aggregated across practice area, referring organization, community, location, remote work versus in person uh, to really find a good fit. And I'll, I'll share with you all those 10 states in case you do have listeners in those areas that are looking to get involved. And they're in New York, Illinois, Oklahoma, Texas. So I'll, I'll send you the link to the pro bono portal there in partnership with the state bar after this. Wisconsin, Colorado, Arkansas, Indiana, Utah, and next launch is Georgia. I think that is awesome. And I think that the more states that participate in this, I think the better for that audience, because I feel like that volunteer audience is could be a potential good news for those legal service providers. All right. Well, we've been asking a lot of questions, but we need to take a break. So let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back with Kristen Sonday of Paladin. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products that includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. 
Civil, and you get a fast, custom-built website that looks great, brings you clients, and drops them right into your firm's systems. Civil partners perfectly with small firms by building the fastest sites in legal, handling digital marketing, enhancing your leads, and providing transparent analytics. They're civil to your other tech, too. Civil websites integrate with all legal case management systems, including Clio, Smokeball, MyCase, and Lawmatics. Get a free site audit with a no-obligation 15-minute demo about what Civil can do for your website. GetCivil.com. That's G-E-T-C-I-V-I-L-L-E.com. All rise with Civil. And we are back with Kristen Sunday of Paladin. Kristen, if you take a look at the, the whole legal tech landscape right now, what's what do you see happening right now that excites you or seems to have the most potential or the thing that you you really point people to take a look at and learn more about? Okay, so I'm going to be really biased here, but I think that all the time and the expertise and the investment, financial investment, that's going into justice technology now is really going to change the game for people who have been typically excluded from our justice system. And I think we're at a point now where we have the opportunity, both as individual organizations and collectively as a justice tech community, to demystify a lot of the legal jargon that's so confusing and the judicial processes and help people be able to advocate for themselves in a way that's more scalable than ever before. And I'm really excited to be a part of that. I'm going to take a hard right here from the from what we've been talking about and introduce a topic that, as Dennis mentioned, we've been talking about lately here. We have seen probably more hype around artificial intelligence, or maybe more particularly around chat GPT than we've seen on many technologies over the past couple of months. Um, and I know that you recently weighed in on, on the AI lawyer experiment and kind of what that means for justice tech. What role do you see as artificial intelligence or chat GPT in particular, or just the whole, the whole field um, playing in pro bono or in access to justice generally? Oh my goodness, I am so excited to see where this all goes. I mean, we're just getting started and hopefully Paladin can also be a, a part of this new wave. So for a little bit of background, currently the Legal Services Corporation reports that about 92% of low-income individuals' civil legal needs are either inadequately or not met. And then about half of people who qualify are turned away from legal services organizations due to a lack of capacity. So we have this huge justice gap, of course, and we have attorneys who can help them, but there's an even bigger opportunity here for technology and AI and, or and organizations and tools like ChatGPT to play a role. So I'd like to think about an individual's navigation through our justice system as a justice journey. That's what I call it. And it's a number of different stages. And ChatGPT has an opportunity to help at every step of that process. So for example, People oftentimes, just to start off, they don't realize that they have a legal issue, right? Like they just have a problem and they're trying to figure out how to solve it. And so we can use GPT upfront to help issue spot those legal needs. And then furthering that, we can build out and maintain legal navigators to help direct clients to the right resources for them to help them get resolution. On the other side, the client intake side, I think that we can leverage AI to help legal services organizations to intake new clients, tag them, really understand their problems so they can be best helped internally and then also refer them out for pro bono more seamlessly through an organization like Paladin. On the individual front, I think that GPT has 
enormous potential to help just make court processes and forms easier to navigate for self-represented litigants and help them, uh, you know, pursue and, and get justice a lot faster and more efficiently. So there are a ton of different opportunities depending at which point in the justice journey we want to help folks navigate. But there's a, yeah, a lot of opportunity and there's going to be, I think, a, a race to see who can get there first and hopefully compound knowledge over time to build the most robust and well-rounded solutions possible. Yeah, that's it's so interesting. I was talking with my uh, class today and 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 we we talked a little bit about how chat GPT has uh, potentially leapfrogs what we were doing before with document automation and, you know, and just the the uh, guided interview approach, which took time to set up and program and stuff. And it's almost like it's possible to maybe leapfrog that into something with ChatGPT that that really works uh, just as well as that, and what we can implement faster and evolve a bit. But one thing I wanted to say is that people say, I'm interested in all this stuff, but I am not sure I'm a technologist. And uh, it seems like technology is super difficult for me. And, you know, lawyers are known for saying, I went to law school because I didn't want to do math or science anymore. Uh, so if somebody really wants to start digging into this, and, and I think this is such a key question for lawyers, what are the one or two technologies that you recommend that people kind of focus on and try to learn to get into this a little bit now and and how what are really good ways to get started in doing that that is such a good question and honestly it all goes back to basics for me and i remember a couple of years ago when we were all talking about ai and machine learning and blockchain and i have yet to see a legal tech company do blockchain well and i think you know we have to go back Amen. and make, <laughs> Amen. we have to make sure that we're nailing the foundation before we build on top of that foundation so the two questions that i encourage lawyers to ask are number 1 you know, how are you communicating with your clients and ensuring everyone is just in sync, has up-to-date information, next steps on each matter? And number two, what automation tools are you using to make your work as efficient and accurate as possible? So personally, and, and to your point, I, I think there's an opportunity to take document automation to the next step and really make sure that you're using it as efficiently and and practically as possible so that you can, you know, build the, the best resources and offer the best services to clients as, as you can. Well, and I totally agree with that. But that leads and I guess that leads to the next question where Dennis and I frequently find that we're the grumpy old men of legal technology. And Dennis is kind of the <laughs> get off my lawn guy. And, but, and, and we're grumpy when it comes to, I mean, we've been preaching document automation on this podcast for I don't know how long. And even the simplest type of automation, just doing quick parts in Word are sometimes beyond the experience level of some lawyers or what some lawyers are willing to do. And so I'm always glad when we get a guest who can provide a more hopeful outlook. And so that's kind of my question for you. I think you've gone a little bit towards your optimism in, in justice tech, but maybe can you either expand on that or maybe give other areas in which, you know, talking about what gives you optimism for the use of technology in the legal profession and the legal system. What are you seeing now that gives you hope that maybe Dennis and I are are grumpily ignoring. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I think you're you're really starting with the best demographic of all to answer this question, which are law students and young professionals who are getting into the legal industry. And I know at least at Paladin, we're seeing especially strong adoption, you know, perhaps unsurprisingly, from the younger lawyers who are coming up in their firms. And I think that's going to be a tipping point more broadly for firms as they look to expand and adopt newer technologies. You know, they're very much digital nomads. They expect technology to join them for the ride rather than tie them to a single place. And those expectations, especially as, you know, remote work increases and the nature of work changes, those expectations are going to really heavily drive usage as legal tech evolves as an industry. Let me, I want to ask a real, real, real quick follow-up because I, I view the younger generations of lawyers, in addition to being digital nomads, they're digital natives, whereas mm-hmm. people of my age and generation and Dennis's age are more the digital immigrants who just don't feel that comfortable around it. But yet, I remember even back Gosh, it's now I, I'm dating myself by saying that it's been, what, 15 years since I was in a law firm. The young lawyers who got technology then still didn't get everything about legal technology. I mean, are we finding that that's the case, too? I mean, is it is it just a matter of getting them the tools? They're, they're comfortable using technology. It's really just about getting the tools in front of them and that the rest will take care of itself. That's a great point. I think there has to be some kind of education around what's available and how younger lawyers and law students can use these technologies to further their practice. And there are so many different tools out there. It can sometimes be hard to understand the differentiator. So uh, being able to take a wider view of what are the general buckets of legal technology that folks might use and then encouraging them to poke around at the different solutions and find one that feels more natural for them and their workflow and their intuitive UX UI, I think is going to be really crucial to getting people using the right tools longer term. All right. Well, we're almost done, but we want to take another quick break uh, for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with Kristen Sonday of Paladin. A website from Civil fills your new client pipeline. Prospects find you through powerful SEO, and smart intake forms make it easy to integrate with Clio, Smokeball, Lawmatics, and MyCase. Never lose another lead. Get your Civil bundle. Website, SEO, content marketing, and Google Business Profile Management free for 60 days from the legal industry's best end-to-end lead generation platform. Book your demo at getcivil.com. That's getciville.com. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C. And get $500 off with code HAPPY24. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm Tom Mile, and we are joined by our special guest, Kristen Sonday of Paladin. We've got time for just a few more questions. And the question I'd like to ask, we're going to ask all of our Fresh Voices guests kind of the same question, which I'll call the best advice question, which is two parts. What's the best advice that you've ever been given around legal technology? And what is the best advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with before we go? Oh my goodness. Well, I guess they're one and the same. I think, you know, the advice that I 
have heard that I found really helpful is just to start with something familiar. So tech is just less intimidating if you have familiarity with it in your day-to-day in that practice area. So I encourage folks to try out new tools in their specific practice areas first. And then once they feel comfortable with the larger tech concepts like AI or machine learning, I'm going to leave blockchain out of this for now, you know, it's much easier to translate that to other areas. So start familiar, I'd say. And then we're just intrigued by this fresh voices uh, idea. And I, I feel, and especially as I've been more involved in teaching and stuff, that this, this new generation of, of lawyers and actually the whole new generations in, in general um, are going to kind of give us the way through the problems we, we now face. And I sort of feel it's, I need to get a little bit out of the way and let you all do your stuff. And so that's the notion of, part of the notion of fresh voices for me, but who are the fresh voices for you that you'd like to single out and maybe see as part of our fresh voices? And who, you know, who are those people that you say, these people inspire me and these are the people I learn from? Well, first of all, Dennis, that did not sound grumpy to me at all. That sounded very optimistic. <laughs> so we're on the right path here. I would say, so a couple of folks. So first off, I'm a huge fan of Debshi Merocha and Leslie Jones-Dove, and they're the co-founders over at Justice Text, and they're helping to strengthen the ability of attorneys to analyze video evidence for trial. Really powerful what they're building. And then on the consumer side, Kami Lopez is a friend who inspires me every day. She's helping demystify small claims court for people over at People Clerk. And I'm also a big fan of Erin Levine's at Hello Divorce. I think she's another one to watch who is just helping make, you know, pretty complex processes feel a lot simpler and easier to navigate on your own. All right. We want to thank Kristen Sande for being uh, our guest on the podcast. Kristen, uh, before we go, can you tell us where people can learn more about Paladin and what you're doing? Absolutely. So we can be found at joinpaladin.com. That's P-A-L-A-D-I-N. And you can also reach me directly at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at joinpaladin.com. I'm always down to answer any questions about pro bono, justice tech, access to justice, and help you find a pro bono case myself if you need the help. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. You're a fantastic guest. Great information, great advice for our listeners. Um, and now it's time for that our parting shots, that one tip, website observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Kristen, take it away. So my recommendation, based on our our conversation of how to get involved and kind of dip your toes in the water, my recommendation is to sign up for an event or a webinar related to technology in your practice area. I really believe that just continuously learning about what's out there and how it might help you, regardless of whether you adopt something straight away, is really important for staying up to date and keeping your practice relevant. That is a great tip. My tip is in an area that I talk to you all a lot about all the time, which is Microsoft 365. And it's a word tip and it's some new features that I just noticed have to come to Word on the web. So if you're using the application, sorry, this isn't available yet. Hopefully it comes in the future. But you now have the ability using your Word online to both transcribe and summarize documents. So you can actually upload an audio file 
to Word using that, and it will provide you with a transcription of that uh, audio file. Um, I, can, I, I can't tell that there are limits for that. I'm, I need to go back in and see what the actual limits on that transcription are. Um, and then the other one looks to be, um, I don't think that it's utilizing ChatGPT at this point in time, but it u- looks like it's utilizing some kind of artificial intelligence. You, you give it a document, and it will put a summary at the top that it will review the document and summarize it. I did it for this script, um, and it did a 90% good, 85% good job of, of summarizing it. So new interesting uh, tools from Word. I always like to point them out to users, and, uh, and they're free for those of you who have Microsoft 365. Dennis. I love the whole idea of auto-summarization. So emotions are a little bit raw still here, but I, I, I just want to say, I, please don't forget about what happened at Michigan State uh, recently. We, we went back to class yesterday for the, for the first time. It's difficult. It's been challenging. And my tip is just to remember to connect with the people you care about in your communities. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, on the Legal Talk Network site, or in your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. We are less frequently on Twitter than we have been before. You can always leave us a voicemail. Uh, we love to get questions for our B segment. That phone number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.